This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to share a passage that I came across or, you know, that that really jumped out to me in a new way probably about a week ago. And as I've mentioned before, I share devotions with our staff most Monday mornings. And I shared this this past week. This idea, what jumped out at me, it blew me away in such a way that I'm like, man, I have to talk about this. But it's a pretty weird idea to try to communicate. And I struggled through it. I probably spent, uh, and as we get into it, you'll see, but it's two words in this passage that I spent, honestly, probably 45 minutes trying to figure out how do I communicate what those two words are saying here? And when I shared it in our staff devotions on Monday, I said, hey, I know that this is a weird idea. And I don't know if I'm able to communicate it in a way that makes sense. It makes sense in my head, but I don't know if it's going to actually make sense if I'm able to bring someone along and explain this well enough that it's going to make sense. So after I shared it, you know, I'm, I'm looking around the room and I felt like probably it made sense to about two thirds of the people. So Monday was a few days ago. So I spent some time going, okay, if I'm going to record this for a, for an episode, it's got to make sense to more than two out of three people. So I tried to get a little bit more clarity. I tried to get a little bit more uh, cutting out some of the stuff that maybe made it more confusing. But I want to share with you this passage from the book of 2 Corinthians. It's from the first chapter. And it's verses 3 and 4. And Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, that passage by itself is really meaningful, right? There's really no further explanation that's needed. This on the face of it is saying we're so grateful that our Heavenly Father, and we've talked a little bit, it's been probably 20, 30 episodes ago, about what it means that God is our Father. And if you have some uh, some baggage or some hangups or some just kind of inside, there's a little something in you that is like, mm, I don't, I don't like that idea. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet, because I, it gives an explanation and I think a, a accurate picture of what it means when we see this idea of God as father. So Paul's saying, God, our Father, who meets us with compassion and comfort. He comforts us in our troubles, and then we comfort other people 
that are in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves, he says, received from God. And like I say, this passage, as I was looking into it, there were a few things that um, I forget. I think it was a couple episodes ago. I mentioned Blue Letter Bible as one of the places that you can go to really dig into some of the uh, some of the deeper meaning behind these passages, some of the translations of the original language and those kind of things. And as I was digging into that type of stuff, I was looking at the Greek, and I've told you I studied that uh, for a couple years in school, so I, I'm not like an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I can read and know what a lot of these Greek words are when I first see it. And so I was seeing, I was looking up a different word in the Greek, and I noticed something that was kind of weird. So when Paul says, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. That two-word phrase there that's translated so that, um, Paul actually used a different word there. So when I saw it, out of you know, I, it wasn't even what I was looking at, but when I saw that he used this Greek word instead of what, to me, Like I say, Paul definitely knows Greek way better than I do. I've spent two years, you know, in school, so I studied it for what? Let's say four hours a week, maybe something like that, maybe a little more. But he's writing in this language and he understands it. But I look and go, wait a sec, he, he used the wrong word there. Because the word that he used wouldn't actually be translated so that. The word that he used, he would have said, uh, praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles into we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So, you get, right, when I read that, that doesn't make sense. We're comforted into we can comfort those in any trouble. So it makes sense why they translated this idea so that. But if Paul would have meant that, he would have used an entirely different Greek word. And so I started thinking through, okay, what in the world does that mean? And so I started thinking through the difference between the phrase so that and the phrase or the word into. And, you know, this is, like I say, I spent about 45 minutes trying to figure out how to explain one word, two words in English here that Paul used, because I think that the, the idea behind this passage really hinges on understanding what he's communicating here. And so I tried to think, I'm like, okay, what in the world, how do I communicate what he's trying to say, I think? And I realized that the distinction 
between the phrase so that and into is so that communicates an intended result, right? So it, it kind of sets it up as this is one of the options of what happens. So bear with me. This is a strange analogy, and maybe you'll think it's dumb, but this is the best one that I could come up with, okay? I've mentioned before, I don't know how many times I've talked about him, but Annalise and I have a little, uh, I guess he's probably about a year and a half old puppy now. Uh, his name is Russell. He's a little 10-pound Morky Poo. It's a really dumb breed name. He's a Maltese, Yorkie, and Poodle. And if you know any of those breeds, you can imagine the personality that this little dog has. He is, uh, he's a live wire. He is all, he's crazy. And he's always running around, always barking, always getting into something. So I thought of, okay, when, when he rings the bell, we have a little bell set up on our back door so he can ring it when he needs, supposedly, when he needs to go outside to go to the bathroom. So I hook him up on his leash and I take him outside so that he can go to the bathroom, right? I've got the intended result of taking him outside is so that he can go to the bathroom. Now, that does happen sometimes when we go outside, but that's certainly not a guarantee. Sometimes he gets distracted by squirrels in our backyard. Sometimes he gets distracted by hearing something over the fence in our neighbor's backyard. Sometimes he gets distracted because somebody's walking by in the front of the front of the house on the sidewalk and he just starts barking like crazy. Sometimes he gets distracted by who knows what, right? So when I take him outside, it's no guarantee of the result. One of my most frustrating things that happened is probably a month ago now. I took him outside. It's the dead of winter. Okay, it's freezing. Maybe it was more than a month then, maybe two months ago. But I, I take him outside. It's frigid, frigid cold, like single digits. And then you got wind chill on top of that. So I'm wanting to get in and get out as quick as I can. It's nighttime. And he's over kind of, you know, I don't know, sniffing around, hopefully finding a spot where he can go to the bathroom. But I'm not sure. And I'm looking over, it's dark out, and I see his head's kind of moving sort of weird. I'm like, is he eating something? Did he find something? So I walk over and I grab it out of his mouth. And sure enough, it was, like I say, it was dark. So I don't know what I've pulled out of his mouth. But it was about the size of a golf ball. And it felt in my hand, this is going to be really disgusting, but it felt like what if he had thrown up, someone had made it into a small ball and then it froze, that's what it felt like I was grabbing in my hand, right? So I'm like, oh man, Russell, what the heck did you get? And so I take it over more toward the light and I realize it's a meatball, like the kind of meatball that you would find on a cheap pizza, except it's huge. Like I say, it's the size of a golf ball. 
but it was kind of that like spongy, porous, really greasy, like it, it felt really nasty to have in my hand, but it was obviously like the jackpot for him because he's found <laughs> this frozen meatball, which I have no clue where it came from, but it's laying in our backyard. It's a fenced in backyard. It was very weird. So now you can imagine that every time we took him out after that, if he, you know, if he noticed that we weren't really paying that much attention, he would jet straight over to this potential meatball location, right? This edge of the fence, that's where he wants to go right away. Remember, I brought him outside so that he can go to the bathroom, but he's not really opting for that every time. He's getting distracted, and now he's, he's searching for this meatball. And somehow, I don't know how, about a week later, the same thing happened again. He's, he's sniffing around, looking like he's going to go to the bathroom, and all of a sudden he's eating something. And I walked over, and doggone it, he found another frozen meatball laying outside in the snow. And I'm looking, and I'm going, what is happening? Because obviously now he thinks that, Sometimes meatballs just show up in this area. I no clue. He found the meatball jackpot and it was so disgusting. I grabbed this nasty thing out of his mouth again. I take it and I throw it away and he's sad, obviously. And I'm confused. I'm looking around like, what in the world? Where are these meatballs coming from? And Annalise has a theory that I think makes some sense. There's a squirrel nest that's kind of right above that area uh the the tree is on the other side of the fence but they built their nest kind of right above our side of the fence and she thinks maybe they're finding these little meatballs or little other pieces of food and as they bring them back it's too big to carry up the fence and up the tree and into their nest so they just drop it and leave it right there So they're kind of like Russell's little courier service. They're bringing him his Uber Eats frozen meatballs once a week and driving us crazy. And so you can imagine that now, like I say, if we're not paying attention every single time we bring Russell outside, the first place he wants to go is, boom, right under that tree, right at the edge of that fence, searching, 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 seeing what's out here. Now, I, I brought him outside using the word that's used in this verse, right? You, or the phrase, so that he can go to the bathroom. But that doesn't mean that that happens every time. Sometimes he rings the bell just because he's bored. Sometimes he rings the bell to go outside just because he wants to go check if there's anything going on back there. If there's any new meatballs, if there's any squirrels running around that he can chase and bark at. But the difference between so that, right? This is why I take them outside so that I've got an intended result in mind. Take them outside so that he can go to the bathroom. 
Now the distinction between the so that, this phrase that is used in this verse, and the word that Paul actually used into, I think of the distinction this way. We're going to stay on the the Russell idea, right? My little puppy. Because when I bring him back into the house, there's not an intended result. He's already at his destination, right? I bring him into the house so that he's in the house. There's not a separate expectation of what's happening. And I think that in that same way, Paul chose, instead of using the phrase, so that, instead of using the the word in Greek that we would translate that way, he used the word in Greek that we would translate as into, as talking about you're already at the destination. Okay, so I explain all that, and I really hope, like I say, I know that I, I tried to explain this in a better way than I did when I shared in our devotions, and I hope that this made sense to more than two out of three people that are listening. It makes sense to me, but <laughs> that doesn't mean it should make sense to everybody. That doesn't mean if it doesn't make sense to you, that it's your fault, it's my fault. But that's the best I can do to make sense of the distinction between what Paul's talking about here. So even though he quote-unquote should have used the word that we would translate as so that, so he's talking about when God comforts us in all our troubles, so that, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What he's saying here is, well, if I use that word, so that phrase, so that, it's going to kind of seem like, well, that's the intended result, but maybe sometimes something different is going to happen. So instead, he uses the word that we would translate as into because I think he was trying to communicate that just by doing what has already been done the destination is reached just like I say when I take Russell into the house it's not so that something happens that's the whole point I'm taking him into the house done and I want you to hear this verse with this, this way that Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it in the Greek. We're comforted by God. And then he says, who comforts us in all our troubles into us comforting those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So do you do you see how this verse with the phrasing that Paul used in the Greek takes on a deeper level of meaning? 
It's not a new meaning because either way, we understand that what happens after God meets us, after God comforts us, we turn and we offer that comfort to those around us. But when Paul uses this different word so that we're not saying we do it so that we comfort those around us, we're saying we experience this comfort and that leads us right into comforting other people. I think that for Paul, this idea of passing along the comfort that we've received from God, it wasn't just something that flowed naturally from one thing happening into the next thing happening. It was an obvious, this is where you are right? You're already at the destination. If you've received this comfort from God, you're going to be comforting those around you. Because why would you try to hoard this comfort? Why would you try to say, hey, I get to experience this, but I don't want other people to experience this. And if you think about the way that God works throughout scripture, if you think about the way that he communicates what our goal is here on earth, you think about the times that Jesus said, forgive others as your heavenly father forgave you. You see that there's this idea that how God treats us is how we need to treat other people. And what Paul is getting at here is we don't experience God's comfort so that one of our options is that we go and comfort people around us. But we got other options too. I mean, sometimes maybe we're too tired, we're too busy, we don't feel like it. We don't really like that person, so we're kind of happy that they're going through a tough time, right? If we're honest, we sometimes do that. Or we sometimes go, man, other than that, their life is so easy. It's kind of good. This is going to be a character-building thing for them to go through some tough stuff. Right? If, if we're honest, part of the reason that we don't go out of our way to comfort people is because sometimes we, we think they deserve it. Sometimes we kind of enjoy watching them squirm. Sometimes though it's coming from a less of a place of malice, I guess. And it's just, hey, I've got so many other things that are on my plate. I just, I, I don't really have the time for it. And I think what Paul's getting at here is, you know, that, that God could have had any of those excuses too, right? He could have said, yeah, the reason that you're... Um, you're in need of comfort. The reason that you're going through trouble is because of something that you did and you caused. So I'm going to withhold. Or, man, life for you has been really easy other than this, uh, so I'm, I'm going to withhold. Or, hey, do you have any idea how many other 
things I've got that I'm thinking about? How many other people are dealing with things that are way harder than the thing that you're dealing with? Uh, So I know your thing is trouble, but not compared to what other people are going through. So I'm just going to withhold for now. That's not how God works. And Paul's saying, because we know how he works, because we know how God works, naturally what we do is we try to look like him, is we reach out and we pass along the same comfort that we've experienced to the other people around us who are hurting. Not asking whether or not we think they deserve it, not asking whether or not we think that, um, you know, we have time to do it, whether or not we think uh, whatever our explanation, our excuse, our reasoning behind not doing that, no matter what that reason is, Paul's writing and he's helping us to understand God comforts us in all our troubles which leads to us comforting those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I love the depth of this passage. I love how it cuts through a lot of the excuses and rationale and reasons that we have behind doing what we're doing instead of doing what God has called us to do. And he just makes it so plain and obvious here. God comforts us. We comfort others with the same comfort we receive from God. The takeaway from this passage is really straightforward. It's really simple. Let's comfort people. We know that whether the suffering is on a large or small scale, that there are a whole lot of people in our lives who are dealing with tough stuff, who are dealing with heavy troubles, as Paul says in this passage. And the same way that in our troubles, God comforts us, which think about that for a minute in the same way, he, he doesn't take away the burden all the time, right? I mean, that's kind of what uh, started me out on this journey of deciding to do a podcast, deciding to write my book in the first place, of realizing, hey, I'm not the only one that's still suffering with something. I'm not the only one that God's comfort didn't mean hey, I'm just going to take this away and I'm just going to fix everything and make it perfect, right? It, I think that really um, removes a weight from our shoulders too, right? Of thinking that comforting means fixing everything. Of thinking that comforting means we have to come up with a solution. We have to come up with the answer, that, hey, I can just hand you this thing. I've got a bullet point, five steps. As soon as you go through these things, uh, 
you're going to experience this comfort because your pain and suffering and everything is going to be totally fixed. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to bring comfort the same way that God comforted us. And I love this idea because what it forces us to do is it forces us to make our sphere of vision. That's not a great phrase, but our, our field of vision is the phrase that's actually a phrase, um, to make it a whole lot bigger than focusing inward on us, right? It's so easy, especially when we're in need of comfort to just take, 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 take. Say, oh God, thanks for meeting me in this. Man, that gave me enough to keep going today. And just focus inward. And instead, what God leads us to do is we receive this comfort from him and just naturally what flows out of that is we go and we bring that same hope and that same peace and that same compassion and that same comfort to the people around us who are hurting. That's a hard thing to do. It's a high calling. But I really believe that it's what God calls us to do, to comfort other people with the same comfort, the same way that we experienced his work in our lives. So let's go do that.